0: Hello, this is Dr. Pedro Ramirez, Editor-in-Chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. And today I have the great pleasure of uh, introducing Dr. Enrique Chacon and Dr. Luis Chiva, uh, who are the primary and uh, senior authors of the lead article for this month, titled Sucor Cone Study, Coneization Before Radical Hysterectomy uh, in the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. Um, it is absolutely a pleasure uh, to have both of them. Uh, they're from the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology uh, and Gynecologic Oncology at Clinica Universidad de Navarra in Madrid, Spain. So, uh, and uh, Dr. Chacon, that is all well known to us as Kike. So, I will refer to him through the, the podcast as Kike, uh, also one of our former fellows in the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. And, uh, Luis, welcome to the podcast.
1: Welcome, Pedro. An amazing pleasure, you know, to be on your side, and I want you know to congratulate for the amazing or uh, the the fascinating endeavor that you are, you know, developing here. Thank you.
2: Yes, thank you, Pedro, for your words, and thank you to the journal for selecting our article as a lead article. It is a truly honor for me to be here today between those two legends of an oncology as you, especially in my case, because as you mentioned before. months ago, it was part of the editorial fellowship of the journal. So being here today is like, you know, closing the circle. So thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Well, fantastic. Thank you, Kika. It's an honor to have you. And Luis, of course, uh, always a pleasure to uh, speaking with you. Um, So uh, let's start by uh, discussing this uh, first question. And I'll go with uh, Kika first. Um, Let's discuss as to what are the current indications by the National Comprehensive Cancer Network, the NCCN, uh, for cervical colonization in patients with cervical dysplasia or cancer.
2: Yes, definitely. I think it's a very good point in order to not confuse the audience. No? As everyone will be well aware, for decades, the main indication for cervical colonization in most clinical practice guidelines has been the treatment of prevasive cervical disease. This technique has also proven to be a useful diagnostic tool to rule out invasive disease, generally having no role in patients with macroscopic tumors larger than two centimeters. In addition, in selected patients with early cervical cancer and a desire for pregnancy, CON has been indicated as a fertility sparing therapeutic approach with curative intent. So in summary, the main indications are treatment of pre-invasive disease, diagnostic tool in cases of micro-invasive disease, and finally as a fertility-sparing therapeutic approach.
0: Excellent. So, uh, Kika, I'll follow up on uh, that question with, um, obviously this study is a subgroup analysis of the SUcore study, uh, a study that is uh, obviously uh, very well known to, to our audience. Um, and for those who may not be as familiar with the details of the study, can you just briefly outline the primary objectives and the results of the original SUcore study?
2: Of course, there we go. The primary objective of the SUCOR study, a European multicenter and retrospective observational cohort study, was to evaluate disease-free survival in patients with a stage 1B1 of the Figo-309 classification, cervical cancer undergoing open versus minimal invasive radical hysterectomy. As a secondary objective, we aimed to investigate the association between protective surgical maneuvers and the risk of relapse. We obtained data from 1,272 patients that underwent a radical hysterectomy by open or minimal invasive surgery for a stage 1B1 cervical cancer from January 2013 to December 2014. We used an inverse probability weighting to construct a weighted cohort of 693 patients to compare outcomes. This was minimal invasive versus open approach. We concluded that minimal invasive surgery in cervical cancer increased the risk of relapse and death compared with open surgery. In this study, avoiding the uterine manipulator and using maneuvers to avoid tumor spread at the time of colpotomy in minimal invasive surgery was associated with similar outcome to open surgery.
0: Excellent. So then now let's get on to this particular study, uh, and I'll I'll turn uh, over to Luis. Um, Luis, what, what was the reason for performing this uh, subsequent study focusing on patients who had a cervical colonization?
1: Well, you probably, uh, thank okay. you for the questions. I mean, probably you remember that in the beginning, uh, for designing sucre study, we had a long internal discussion on um, colonization. And when we finally decided to avoid in the first study the previous cone biopsies as a potential source of bias, since we believe at that time that somehow it might, you know, have a protective role, no? So besides, you know, that the management, because you have experience in that from lack trial, the final data when dealing with the cones is complex, right? It's complex. So the SUCCO study uh, uh, showed the non-results in a population without the cone, with the entire Two in place, right? But shortly after the Sucre study was published, one of our young colleagues, Nabil Mansour, thoroughly studied all risk factors for relapse and death for the entire population, including patients after conization. And surprisingly, the con biopsy appears appeared as the most significant independent protective variable in the whole population. So after this discovery, we wanted to know how those findings might be correlated with the surgical approach. And it was uh, how, you know, sucor was
0: born. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you bring that up because uh, I think that there's that's going to be a topic of further discussion later in the podcast that I want to ask you about. E- exactly that statement, The you know, the, the colonization being a, a protective, sort of like a protective maneuver. So definitely we'll, uh, uh, we'll give, be back to you. Uh, to ask about that. But I also wanted to, just uh, before we get into further details of the study, Luis, uh, tell me how many institutions and how many countries participated in the study.
1: Well, we're, I mean, we're pretty proud because our study provides data from 126 institutions belonging to 29 European countries. And I dare to say that it's giving, you know, a comprehensive perspective of, uh, you know, of, of this topic, the potential effect of cervical colonization, before radical hysterectomy in early
0: cervical cancer, right? Excellent. Um, So now I'll turn back to Kike. And uh, Kike, I was wondering if you can uh, just let us know what were the inclusion and exclusion criteria for this uh, particular study?
2: Yes. uh, We include patients with age over than 18 years old with squamous squamous or adenocarcinoma that presented a pelvic MRI confirming a tumor diameter less than 4 centimeters with no parametrial invasion and a preoperative CT scan or MRI, or also a PET-CT, demonstrating no extra cervical metastatic disease. The operative report had to describe type B or C radical hysterectomy with bilateral pelvic lymphadenectomy, which includes patients with SLN by either minimal invasive surgery or open surgery. Patients were occluded if any other histological type was diagnosed, if tumor size was larger than 4 cm in the pathology report, if they presented past history of any invasive tumor, previous chemotherapy, radiation, or metastatic disease on preparative imaging. Also, conversion from minimal invasive to laparotomy was caused for occlusion as well as if the patient was pregnant at
0: diagnosis. Excellent. And you did mention tumor size, which then brings me to uh, my next question. And this question is actually from one of the fellows in the uh, International Journal now, uh, Demetrius Nasudis from the University of Pennsylvania. And he asked, how was tumor size calculated for patients who previously underwent an excisional procedure? In your study, was tumor size based solely on the hysterectomy specimen?
2: Yes, first of all, I would like to thank Dimitrios and the other fellows for their work because you know, it is incredible. Having said that, the tumor size calculation in our study was a key point. In our sample, the tumor size was defined as follows. First, in patients without conization, the tumor size was based on the maximum tumor diameter found in the radical hysterectomy specimen. Then, in patients who underwent conization and in whom free margins and no residual tumor were found at the hysterectomy specimen, the tumor size was based on the maximum tumor diameter found at the conization specimen. And finally, for those patients who underwent conization and were found to have affected margins and or residual tumors at the hysterectomy uh, specimen, the tumor size was based on the sum of the maximum tumor diameter found at the conization specimen, plus the maximum tumor diameter found at the hysterectomy specimen. This is how we try you know, to, to have the maximum accuracy in identifying tumor size. But of course, the tumor size calculation was not always easy, and for that reason, we recognize this as one of the limitations of our study.
0: Excellent. And uh, a follow-up question uh, regarding your evaluation of the relapses. Was it always confirmed by biopsy or was it acceptable by just imaging?
2: Yes, and this is also very interesting. The relapse in our study was diagnosed by physical examination as well as by imaging and biopsy. Regarding the, the biopsy, in 23 out of 34 cases, this represented the 68% of the sample, the relapse was demonstrated by histological confirmation. But again, I should say that this was also a, one of the limitation of our study.
0: Excellent. And, and now on, on to the, the, the main results. What did this study find? Um, can you uh, give us the highlights?
2: Okay, yes, uh, the succor study, our study, it was a multicenter, retrospective observational cohort study, including patients from the Succor database with FIGO 2009 classification 1B1 cervical cancer treated with radical hysterectomy between January 2013 and December 2014. The main objective of that study was to evaluate the effect of cervical colonization prior to radical hysterectomy in patients with stage 1B1 cervical cancer. For that purpose, we performed a propensity matching comparison comparing one to one 187 patients with combiopsy prior to radical hysterectomy with 187 patients without prior cervical conization. The baseline characteristics were similar between groups as a result of a propensity score matching, including that and the surgical approach with no differences between the open and the minimal invasive approach. It was around 50% in each arm, I think. After a median follow-up of 58 months, the disease-free survival was 95.1% in the conization group and 86% in the non conization group. A 65% reduction in the risk of relapse was observed for patients who had undergone a cervical conization. Also, after a median follow-up of 59 months, the overall survival was 93.4% in the non conization group and 98.4% in patients who had a prior conization. a 75%. Percent reduction in the risk of death was seen for patients who had a previous con biopsy. In addition, patients who underwent minimal invasive surgery without prior conization had a 5.63 times higher chance of relapse compared to those who underwent an open approach with previous conization. And finally, and I think this was a very interesting point, patients who underwent minimal invasive surgery with prior conization showed no differences in relapse rate compared to those who underwent open surgery with prior conization.
0: Excellent. So now I'll, uh, I'll go back to uh, Luis for some of the sure. details uh, on the uh, results. And um, the first question, again, comes from Dimitris Nasudis, uh, our fellow. Um, he writes, in the original sucor study subgroup analysis based on tumor size, uh, certainly there, there, there was a, a subgroup analysis performed on tumor size, but in the present study, when limiting your analysis to patients with tumors less than two centimeters, was there any difference in relapse rate between patients who did and did not undergo colonization after controlling for mode of surgery?
1: Well, this is a great question, really, indeed, right? And it was one of the questions that we asked ourselves at the beginning of the study at the time of stratifying the potential protective effect of cervical colonization by dividing by tumor size, right? smaller and larger than two centimeters. And we definitely um, discovered that the possible or the potential protective effect of cervical conization was very evident in tumor between two and four centimeters large tumor. However, this potential protective effect of conization was not so clear in tumors smaller than two centimeters, equal or smaller, right? Be- uh, where we observed no differences in terms of relapse. So these uh, findings uh, we understand that make sense as the potential protective effect, con- uh, effect of conization is going to be more, more evident in larger tumors where there is, you know, um, uh, most, uh, I mean, less exposure possible of the tumor after, after the colonization, right? Uh, decreasing the, the, the capacity of spreading and probably less relapse. Unfortunately, due to, uh, you know, some statistical, you know, uh, limitations, because we were not able to demonstrate a statistical interaction between these variables, we, I mean, probably due to the small numbers, we couldn't, you know, include these uh, differences in the paper.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, Luis, I think it's also important to highlight to our audience that, um, you know, the, the the message I think often um, is that, well, you know, colonization will be providing a, a sort of a protective effect, uh, but certainly in in grossly visible tumors, it, it is not indicated to do a colonization. Absolutely, I think that absolutely. That should be, that should be the a main message. The message,
1: uh, the message. Uh... Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I agree. I agree completely.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I also wanted to ask you, Luis, um, this uh, question actually multiple fellows had. So I, I will just name them collectively. Uh, but uh, the, the rate of adjuvant treatment in this study was high, 43 percent in both groups. Um, yeah. First question is, you know, why do you think it was so high? And also yeah. some might say, you know, this is not consistent <laughs> with, with what we typically see um Absolutely. How, how could this have impacted the results when you have almost half the patients getting adjuvant treatment
1: well what is important you know to underline first of all is the 43 percent in both group is regarding any type of adjuvant therapy right being more you know specific in any type of external radiation we are you know in 30 33 34 which is a but this is still very high right definitely the rate of adjuvant therapy in the renal hypercholesterole was supremely uh, elevated but let me tell you something and it showed real life management unfortunately in large uh, in a large european population so this is what we were doing in 33 30 and in in, in 2013 and 2004. I mean, if you compare this incredible high rate of succour study, for instance, with the recommended with the recommended uh, um, uh, quality indicators uh, guidelines in ESGO, that the rate should be less than fifteen percent in early cervical cancer, is you know very impressive, right? Beyond that, I mean, <clears throat> we are still trying to figure out we you know how it has been so high because. And we have discovered, for instance, that almost thirty percent of patients in this study, in Sucor study, who receive adjuvant therapy, had not any uh, uh, any of the traditional indications for radiation, as positive node, positive surgical margins, parameter infiltration, or even a combination of two of the intermediate risk of said list criteria. Right, so. So, for those reasons, in both uh, studies, Sucre Zucker and sucre we incorporate the variable adjuvant uh, therapy, you know, to, to uh, discriminate in the propensity matching score and to balance correctly this potential
0: bias, right? Excellent. Um, I'll turn back to Kike. This next question is from Natalie Medley, uh, one of our fellows from Jamaica. Uh, and Natalie says, a total of 72% of patients had a leap in your study. Many would argue that this is not the ideal approach to performing a cone. In fact, only uh, 17.5% had a cold knife cone. How do you think this might have impacted the results of the study? In other words, a leap versus a cone.
2: Yeah, thank you, Pedro, and thank you very much, Natalie, for for your excellent question. Clearly, it seems that the most radical procedure is cold knife conization. However, what we observe in our study is the current trend among our colleagues in Europe. No, I think most favor leap over cold knife conization as it is apparently easier to perform the technique and seems to have fewer adverse effects than cold knife conization from an aesthetic point of view. No? In our institution, I think we usually perform LIP, except, of course, in, in selected cases. And this trend has also been observed in Nicola study about potential protective effect of conization, in which, again, all patients undergoing conization were performed by LIP.
0: Excellent. Um, a follow-up question to that is that a total of 78% of patients have positive margins on the cone. So this likely means that many of these cones were performed in patients with gross tumors, sort of getting us back to the point that I was discussing with Luis. Um, how do you think this might have impacted the results?
2: Yes, again, and to begin with, I would like to remind that as we said before, cervical colonization is not recommended and this is mandatory for tumors larger than two centimeters. However, our study as a real life study reflects the reality of our community in Europe. And thus, of the 187 patients who underwent conization, it is true that 78% had positive surgical margins in the con-biopsy specimen. However, only 29% of these 187 patients had tumors between 2 and 4 centimeters. So as you may see, this represented the minority of the sample. Despite this, there was no differences in disease recurrence between patients with positive or negative conization margins. So in conclusion, only 29% of cones between two and four centimeters and no differences between positive and negative surgical margins.
0: Excellent. Um, Now, Luis, I'll turn this uh, to you. This next question is actually if someone well-known to you, Felix Boria from uh, from your own institution in Spain. Uh, He asks about the minimally invasive approach. And he says, do you think that the difference in robotic approach between the propensity groups uh, being... 18% 18% versus 6% may have impacted the outcome of your study.
1: Well, I, I, will, I want to, to um, come on, thank Felix for this question. And first of all, I want to tell you that in Europe, the situation regarding the robotic is very different, like in the States. I mean, we we know that only 20% of our ESGO members are uh, in the European members are comfortable or are doing, you know, complex surgery with the robot. This is the first idea. In the Sukor study, I mean, the whole importance of the robotics, I mean, the whole group was just counting 12%, right? So, generally you know, speaking, I would say that the, the impact of the, the robotic group is modest. But what is a fact, and it's something that I don't uh, find a clear in explanation, is that uh, in, in, in the group of robotic uh, surgery, the rate of conization is much higher than in laparoscopy um, group, right? So um, I don't know exactly, you know, um, uh, why is this is the reason, but what is absolutely clear is that, for at least right now, from our perspective, for designing future studies including robotics and in, for uh, radical surgery in, in cervical cancer. We have to take in account the conization as a potential, you know, um, bias, right? So this is what I, you know, I would I would say on that
0: only. All right, thank you, Luis. Tika, um, this next question is uh, Florian uh, Joshum uh, from um, uh, France. Uh, she's one of our fellows also, and um, she has is noted in the article that no difference in disease recurrence was found between patients with positive and negative conization margins, but the number of events is low. What are your thoughts regarding this finding?
2: Yes, thank you very much Florian for your question. I agree. And the first thing we have to say is that this represented a secondary objective of our study and therefore the study was not designed you know, to answer this question. So the conclusion we could draw from it should be taken of course with, with occasion. No? There was indeed uh, no differences between patients with affected and unaffected margins at conization. Probably, as he said, the low number of events, only nine relapses in the con-biopsy group, might have influenced this result, I think. Uh, of course, we could hypothesize that the reduction in tumor exposure achieved by cervical conization in a small tumor may have been responsible for this result. But again, you know, this, this was not the main objective of our study.
0: Yeah. And Kika, this, uh, this question, um, I wanted to ask you, uh, obviously, because I think it targets on the point of uh, patient selection. And in, in this study, we noted that 81% of patients had disease in the hysterectomy specimen after a cone. Um, so certainly, that, that is, it tells us it's, it's very high. And of course, obviously, consistent with a high number of positive margins uh, after the colonization. Um, in the recent uh, recently published conserved trial uh, that we ran out of MD Anderson here, the rate of residual disease after reconization was 2.5%. So 81% uh, in one study, 2.5% in the other. So it has to be something about patient selection in there. And, and, I, and I was going to ask you, why do you think there was such a, a difference between these two patient populations?
2: Yes, thank you, Pedro. Yes, first of all, I would like to remind that in the CONSERF trial, the inclusion criteria were patients with early cervical tumors with good prognosis. This was tumors below 2 cm without lymphovascular space invasion or deep stromal infiltration. No? However, in our study, we include all patients with early cervical tumors below 4 cm with, as previously mentioned, up to 29%. This was 54 patients yeah, in the conization arm, having tumors larger than 2 cm. It is therefore very likely that there were more tumors between 2 and 4 centimeters in our study that contributed to the high rate of residual disease in the hysterectomy specimen. In addition, in comparison with our study, what I would like to point out from the concept trial is that although it was a secondary analysis of that study, Smeller et al. observed that in patients undergoing inadvertent simple hysterectomy without prior conization, with unexpected postoperative diagnosis of invasive cancer plus subsequent lymph node dissection, the recurrence rate was 12.5% versus zero in those with non-preparative diagnosis of invasive cancer who underwent simple hysterectomy preceded by prior conization. So, again, I think pointing out this result to a potential protective effect of cervical colonization.
0: Excellent. So, now, Luis, I want to ask you um, this question. Um, You know, patients who had a cone have better outcomes. And, and, you know, my point is do, do you think that this is a direct association of the fact that typically patients who have a cone generally have smaller tumors, often microscopic tumors? Uh, lower grade tumors, less positive lymph nodes than those who do not have a cone. In other words, the ones that don't have a cone have a large tumor that you can see and then you just go straight to surgery. So is this an indication as to the cone being somewhat of a protective or is the fact that you're doing cone mm. on patients that have much lower risk of recurrence?
1: Pedro, this is, this is the key question of the study because it's, you are absolutely Right. I mean, in the clinical practice and in, in, in our study, I mean, patients who underwent cervical colonization have a better prognosis. I mean, smaller, smaller, lower grade, less positive notes. However, what is this is very important for us, and we were very carefully uh, um, selecting the variables to introduce in the propensity score, trying, you know, to match all the, the, the significant variables in order, you know, to balance both populations and after the propensity, we still were able to observe a significant protective effect of conization prior to radical hysterectomy after balancing perfectly the seven variables of the score, right? So this is the, I mean, what we think, that, you know, this is the reason the conization had, you know, this potential protective effect, right, in this, in this study.
0: Yeah. And then uh, Luis, that brings me to to my next question, uh, because I think it's it's important to highlight to our audience that, you know, basically, uh, as I see it, you know, this study is telling us that if if you have a a cone prior to a radical hysterectomy, your oncologic outcomes are better Um, rather than the, you know, you can, because I, I think that many will read this as, you know, patients who underwent minimally invasive surgery with a cone had similar outcomes to those who underwent open surgery. So therefore, I'm gonna interpret this as, I need to do a cone before I do minimally invasive surgery, regardless of the tumor size, in order to protect that patient from having a recurrence. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, thanks thanks, very much. Thank you very much for asking this important question. This is the $1 million question. And the answer is completely clear and definitive, no. Our study, was not designed to answer that question of, you know, that this is, we were trying to define, yes, you know, the role of the cone, but we uh, we had, you know, a secondary objective in the study, the, the hypothesis that we can, you know, that can be a protective maneuver, that's it. Um, what is clear that, what is clear for us is, as you know, conization conization is an accidental finding like, you know, abandoning the manipulator or implementing protective maneuvers, such as, you know, the vaginal closure, might reduce the tumor spillage and may improve the outcomes of minimal inversor surgery. It's, you know, us, giving us more evidence that we have to be very careful at the time of dealing with the tumor, with the, with the spread of the tumor. And it's in, But on the other hand, it's interesting to recall that, you know, the original designers of the radical history, Bergen and Friedrich Schauter, they had to deal with uh, incredible tumors i mean both of them they used to remove you know the bulky tumor before before going uh, going going uh, moving forward to to do the radical hysterectomy to avoid not only the tumor spillage but also the infection right at that time but you know of course uh, we we need you know further investigation so far we can only say that conization is a type of somehow is able to uh, diminish, you know, the, the, the rate of relapse in this retrospective study. That's it. We'll see in further studies, you know, what is going to be the, the, the impact of, of these of this findings.
0: Thank you so much, Luis. And again, I wanna be uh, respectful of both of your times. I could really go on with this conversation. I really enjoy speaking with you both. Um, and also respectful of the audience's time. But I wanted to ask two more questions, so one for Kike uh, and one for you, Luis. The, the last question for Kike is, what, what would you highlight as the limitations of the study?
2: Yeah, thank you, Pedro. First of all, I would like to highlight, I think, the, the main strength of our study is to the best of our knowledge. The first study showing that patients with prior colonization followed by radical hysterectomy had a significantly lower risk of relapse and death. However, of course, we recognize several weaknesses No, The first one is that the conization group, as we mentioned before, by definition may already be at a lower risk of relapse. Also, there was no information regarding indication for conization and surgical approach. Again, I would like to remind that the retrospective nature of our study, including the fact that there was no formal editing of our data. Moreover, it should be mentioned that cervical colonization were defined as a possible confounding factor in the original sucore study, since they represent a heterogeneous group of patients that is difficult to analyze. Those patients were excluded from the original surgical study for the following reasons. No? It was argued that it would be difficult to evaluate the efficacy of a surgical approach in those patients who present free margins in the colonization specimen. On the other hand, in those patients where the conversation presented affected margins, it is not well harmonized, which is the best way to measure the diameter of the tumor. And last but not least, cones are normally performed in an external institution, being this a possible source of loss of critical pathological information. For those reasons, the inclusion of this group of patients may have represented a possible source of bias. Similarly, our study didn't provide differential evaluation for patients with a stage 1v1 disease based on microscopic disease versus gross tumor on cervical specimen. And this, together with the small number of events, I think represent the main limitation of our study.
0: Great. Thank you, Kike. And then uh, one last question for Luis. And I think that Mm -hmm. you alluded to it already in, in your previous statement, but... Um, you know, how do we move forward from here? Um, how do we apply these results to our practice uh, next week? Yeah. See, uh, patients, what is uh, this funding?
1: I mean, putting together, you know, SUCCOR study, SUCCOR but but um, we can uh, state that the most important lesson that we have learned so far in this study is the relevance, generally speaking, of protecting of tumor spread at the time of the surgery. This is, this is clear. I mean, this is something after the lack trial, we have, you know, asked ourselves many questions, and this is coming out clearly. We have to take care, you know, um, very nicely of, of not avoiding any tumor spread. Second, in this study, biopsy has been found as an accidental, accidental, incidental, protective money over, pretty much like, you know, avoiding nutrient manipulator or closing vagina before the computer is something that we have found. And beyond that, it's possible that future studies may show, in prospective studies always, the safety of performing minimally invasive surgery after colonization, especially with uh, free margin, right? Well, it's something to be studied in the future. And I don't rule out that some colleagues uh, were um, uh, maybe uh, willing to explore expanding indication of colonization in the future to obtain information and diminish the tumor contact and spread at the time of radical hysterectomy, but this should be done under a controlled trial as well. But honestly, I mean, the present study should be just considered like a hypothesis generating project that try to stimulate the the ideas of the international collaboration to investigate the protective role of, of these protective manoeuvres validating the results that we have seen in this Humble retrospective study. I Meanwhile, we believe that for now, what is this is clear that all prospective studies that are going to be carried out should be should consider cervical colonization uh, uh, as a variable that should be weighted for the risk of relapse. Otherwise they can, you know, overlap um, or not or to miss a, a bias. So and thank you, Pedro, because, you know, for this incredible support and uh, for, for the opportunity of, of sharing, you know, the results of this humble study with, with the, our audience. Thank you.
0: Well, I want to thank you both uh, for your time. Obviously, thank you for submitting your work uh, to the journal. Uh, this has been really gratifying uh, having this discussion with you. I really look forward to the uh, journal club on this article, and I really invite all of our audience and their colleagues and trainees to uh, join us as well. Um, Dr. Enrique Chacon, Dr. Luis Chiva uh, from Clinica Universidad de Navarra, Madrid, Spain. Thank you once again for for this work and then all of your contributions to gynecologic oncology. It's a pleasure.
1: Our pleasure. Thank Thank you.